Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Shakedown. I'm your host, Aaron Dawson, joined by Mr. Sean Stewart as we wrap up this series on surviving the mental chess game. Thus far, you know, we're talking about contraband, talking about favors, talking about take it personal or taking it personal. Most of the conversation, if you will, has been geared at or aimed at uh, the line officer. Obviously, that was on purpose, but when we talk about surviving the mental chess game, there's there's some things that need to happen prior to that, prior to that officer entering that housing unit, the one standing there confronting those inmates. Uh, there's a responsibility, if you will, that doesn't necessarily fall on that line officer that needs to be taken care of before all that, and that's on the leadership. Um, you know, whether that be frontline supervisors, mid-level supervisors, administration, wherever, whatever level that is, uh, there are some things that we can do, we need to do to repair our staff for what they're going to face. And depending on, you know, where you fit in the, in the, in the chain of command, if you will, um, if this, this speaks directly to you, awesome. Uh, you may say, well, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm just a line officer. I'm not a supervisor. Well, you may be. Um, you sticking around in this, in this career field long enough, uh, odds are you will be. And so if nothing else, <laughs> file it away and make use of this information when it's your time. Um, uh, but Sean, what are some things that I know in your experience, what are some things that you think of, that you think about as an administrator, as a captain, what were some things that you needed to do for your officers ahead of time to prepare them? Well, obviously the, the first obvious, um, um, thing to do is, is, have have, pol have quality policies in place sure. that, that protect sure. the officer, right? Yeah. Um, because a lot of officers are going to refer to policy. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say today you can have every scenario that some <laughs> officer may face and policies and procedures right. or, or your policy book would be eight feet high. Yes. But you, you can put things in there like if, if you feel an inmate's getting too close to you, make sure you let the supervisor know. Yeah. And, and and so you have you have these things in the policy. If an inmate comes into custody and you know who this inmate is, I want you to write a memo through your chain of command. Yeah, let them know. And you're you're not getting in trouble because I I you would get a memo like that and a, as a sergeant I'd call you in my office and say, "My first question is, are you going to have an issue supervising this individual?" Sure. And a lot of times the officer will say, no, I didn't really know him that well. We just went to high school together. And it's like, okay. And, you know, a, a, a lot of sheriff's departments across this country are in rural communities. And, sure. and you're going to know a lot of these people. Um, or, you know, I'd ask him a question. Are you going to have an issue supervising this person? And, and the answer is like, well, you know, I, I do. He, he used to date my sister. Mm. He has intimate details about me. Yeah. Um, and then you move the officer. Right. right. Let, let, let the officer work a different housing unit. put him somewhere else to work for a little while. Um, and if you're worried about staff playing you when when the guy comes and go and he gets out of custody then put him right back in his assignment. Right. But if that officer is telling you that that I don't feel comfortable working and supervising this inmate, then then as an administrator, you have to take action, because if you don't, then 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 you're kind of being deliberately indifferent to to um, a security concern that uh, that officer br brought to your attention. Right. And on a flip side of that same thing, I, I always thought there were three places you should never force a staff member to work. One, intake. Right. Y you want to put the proper officer in intake, and you also want that person to want to work there. <laughs> right. Number two, mental health. Mm. You want the right people working in your mental health unit. And number three, 
administrative segregation. And I always had a philosophy myself, if, if an inmate, or if an, I'm sorry, if an officer came to me and said, hey, Captain Stewart, my fuse is getting too short. I'm yeah. getting burnout working in intake. Yeah. Can I go work here for a little walking? If an officer ever comes to you as a commander and says, I'm getting burnt out working in those areas. Yeah. By God, you got to move them. Sure. Because they're kind of putting you on notice. right? Absolutely. And they're doing the right thing. They're bringing it to your attention. Yes. Uh, my, my fuse is getting very short. I'm really quick to go to my hard skills. Yes. Um, I, 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 I need to work somewhere else for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Th then you do it. And I'm not saying and, and don't think of CEOs. Those are coveted jobs. Right. In all reality, you know, yeah. good ad seg, you're working with another officer usually because, right. you know, everybody up there are cuffed too. So that's yeah. too um, the mental health. You're there. You're with medical staff. And it takes a person, a, a special officer to be able to work mental health. That was one area that I, I tried to avoid. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the as far as I'm concerned, as an officer, I didn't have the, the, the capacity. Sure. And and the proper mindset to work in that unit and it takes a special officer and intake, you know, it, it takes an officer who's great with those verbal skills. Give you an example. He may comes in, he's all angry because of the way the arresting officer treated him. My favorite thing to do was get him away from the officer, bring him back here and say, all right, M.A. Jones, you have a clean slate with me. Yeah. I don't know what that officer did and I don't care. That's between you and him. Mm -hmm. But the way I'm going to treat you from this moment forward is the way you treat me. Yeah. All that, you got a clean slate right now. And you take nine times out of 10, that works. The officer, the inmate calms down. You're right, that guy. Right, yeah. So when, the, when, when an officer comes to you and says they're burnt out in this area, assign them somewhere else for a little while. And then back to, full circle, back to, you know, an, an inmate, an officer who tells you that they have some concern supervising an inmate you can move the inmate to another housing unit or whatever's easier for your organization right. or reassign the officer for a little while until the yeah. inmate gets out of custody. So as administration, as administrators, when, when those things come to you, you have to act on them. Right. And, and you have to take action to, to solve those problems. So that, that policy is there. You have these things in policy to protect your officers. Then obviously you got to train them, right? <laughs> yes. And, and I think if you don't already, there, there should be, a decent amount of time spent on training your officers about manipulative inmates and, and right. the things that they're going to do. And, and like I said before, dress for success. The reason I want you to not look like chewed up bubble gum when you come to work or right. when yes. you turn that corner, somebody hits you with a wrinkle bomb. Right. right. I want the reason I want you to look sharp. One, you're representing the department to the community. Mm -hmm. Number two, I don't want an inmate to look at you and think, that they can get to you. Yeah, right. And and that's that's the main thing. So you have that training. You're dealing with that. I am a firm believer in rotating site assignments frequently. Yeah. Um, and I would say what's frequent to me is probably every three months. Mm. But I wouldn't go beyond six. I got you. And and I'm saying some dramatic trend. But if I'm working, let's say housing unit, whatever you call it, three three delta. Three months to six months, you're not going to work housing in a three delta. You're going to spend your next rotation in another housing unit somewhere else. Right. Because the longer you leave that officer in there, that Stockholm syndrome starts to take over. Yes. And 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 a lot of times they start to think, 
when I hear an officer say my inmate or my inmates, mm. that's usually a key. Uh oh. Yeah. There, you're going to have issues in the housing unit because this officer is starting to get into that Stockholm syndrome type yes. of mentality. Yes. And, and you have to act when you see that stuff. Yeah. So be proactive and rotate them a little more often than you might be doing now. And I don't care if an officer says, but I like working in here. Right. Yeah. You're going to rotate and I'm doing it for your own safety. Yes. Yes. I know when I, <clears throat> the shift I started on my shift, uh, the sergeant at the time, he was a firm believer. We, we ran, you know, podular, uh, set up and you would tower with the housing units around it. And he had, you know, he'd have one officer that he liked to keep in each of those pods, be familiar with it, be in control of it. And he'd rotate everybody else. So about for a year and a half nearly, I spent in that same, that same pod. And I'll tell you from, from that side of things, it got to the point where I was so sick of them and they were so sick of me. And I knew, <laughs> I knew them so well and they knew me so well, you know, it was just, it was almost just, I guess it was like a bad family reunion. You come in and take shift. They'd see you walking through the door. Oh, good grief. You know, and I'm looking at them. Oh, good grief. But you become familiar with them, whether you, whether intentionally or not, it just happens. I mean, you know, I'm spending 12 hours at a time, you know, you know, seven days every pay period in here with these people. There's going to be that familiarity. Whereas you rotate out, I reset. Right. And I'm able to, I'm able to pay attention to, what's going on rather than, oh, that's just so-and-so. You just struck something with you that brought up a memory. So let's talk about respect versus dignity. Mm. Yeah. I remember going to the academy in the early 90s, and I'm going through, and all my instructors would tell me, you have to respect the inmates. Treat the inmate with yeah. respect. <laughs> respect the inmates. And then, they, then the next class was, let's say, inmate supervision. And the instructor comes in and goes, you have to earn the inmates respect. You have to earn it. You have to. And and words have meaning to me. I pay attention sure. to words. Right. Yeah. And if you look up the the, the, the um, definition of respect, it means to hold somebody in reverence. Right. Yes. So I, I, I remember sitting there going, OK. And if you really think about this and words have meanings, it might be subconsciously. I always thought, am I, am I setting my officers up to fail? Because sure. I'm telling them right off the bat, they have to respect the inmates and treat the inmates right. with respect. But then the officer has to go earn respect. How have, do you earn respect? By bringing yeah. contraband in? Because let's face it, a lot of our officers are younger. And think back to yourself when you were 18 to, let's say, I'll give you 26. You cared what people thought about you. Yeah. As you get older, <laughs> that kind of goes away a little bit more. <laughs> uh, unless it's somebody, you know. Close to, yeah. yes. But when you're younger, you, you, you want to be liked. Sure. And... Being a corrections officer is a difficult job to have if you want to be like. If you want to be like, yes. And then you go back to the, you have to earn the inmates' respect, but automatically you have to respect them. Mm -hmm. So I got away from using the word respect, and I get why people do it. I get the meaning of it. But the, I think the real word to use is dignity. Right. If, yeah. if you, and if, I don't have a dictionary in front of me. You go look up the word respect and look up the word dignity and compare the two definitions, and yes. you'll see that I'm right. You have you have to treat individuals with dignity. Yeah, I mean they're they're human beings, so therefore they deserve dignity. You, yes, you don't have to respect everything that somebody does, or you don't have to automatically respect, or you don't have to 
you don't have to respect me. I don't have to respect you, but I have to treat you with dignity. Right. Yeah. And, and I think dignity is the right term to, to, to use a lot of times. So you must treat the inmates with dignity. You know, and I go back to the word um, sympathy and em- empathy. Yeah. Right. Yes. I don't sympathize with an inmate, but I make I can be empath- empathetical right. with the situation. Sure. So, again, words have meaning. You, you have to have quality training. you got to train your staff. But then just be careful how you're training them. And, yes. And, and, and look at subliminal messages you right. may be sending by, by the way you're training these guys. Yes, yes. And, you know, when you talk about training specifically, you know, that say you're going to put together an academy. You know, you're, I'm gonna, we're going to have a basic academy for our officers. Um, and you look at what curriculum, what do I need to have in this training that's going to that's gonna equip them uh, to be effective at their job. And I mean, you could, you could write a list three miles long of things they need to know. Um, some of that, obviously they don't need to know right off the bat. Some of it's going to be learned by experience, but I think, you know, that it just in my experience, there's, there's very little in most academies that I've been aware of. Now, obviously not speaking across the board cause I don't know, but the practical side of what we've been talking about with, you know, that, well, don't bring in contraband or, you know, don't let an inmate play you. Or like you said, treat the inmate with respect uh, and, and earn their respect. That they're so vague, they're so open-ended that for that officer that doesn't know, okay, I'm supposed to earn their respect or I'm not supposed to let them play me. Well, what does that look like? You know, or I'm not supposed to bring in, I'm not supposed to bring them in contraband. Well, I'm not bringing in contraband, but I did a shakedown, I did a search and... I found this. I didn't bring it to them. So, I mean, but if I leave it, I've just earned their respect. Yeah. yeah. Get specific with it. What I really like, what I used to like to tell my my officers was, you have a decision to make, whatever whatever that is. If you pause for a second and you ask yourself this question, if I do this, what I'm about to do, and it was shown on the 9 o'clock news, would my family be proud of me? Yeah. Yeah. So if you pause and think, if the answer is yes, hey. If the answer is no, don't do it. Right. Um and and you just and just realize and, and to always approach things approach what's happening with a skeptical eye. Right. Ask yourself if I do this and it got plastered all over the news. Right. Would my family be proud of me? Right. The answer is no. Obviously, you're not going to do that. Right. Right. And and if you look at everything that way, because I get it, man. A, a lot of times, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you guys about this kind of stuff. But some of these things, it took me years to learn. Sure. Right. You know? And and you you gain this knowledge through experiences, good right. and bad. Right. And that's how we're. And, and you can sit there and, and tell an officer these things. I always told them, warm fuzzy, if you're about to do something, and again, you've already thought about, but you don't have that warm fuzzy feeling in your in your in your abdomen, you probably shouldn't do it, right? Because yeah. that that's your subconscious trying to warn you that this 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 could be bad. Or an, another analogy to use, when your spidey senses are tingling, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. yeah. When your spidey senses are tingling, you might want to pause and think about something. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, you could walk up to anybody who worked for me and say, 
one thing to them and they know it came from me, unintended consequences. What are the unintended consequences of me taking this action? Sure. And yes. And if those unintended consequences aren't going to be good. Right. There's my answer. There's your answer. Don't do it. All what I just said, in a nutshell, pay attention to your common sense. Yeah. 90% of what we do in corrections common is common sense. sense. Yes. If, 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 a, if a lot of officers would just follow their common sense and and think about the 9 o'clock news, would my family be proud of me? Right. My policy would only need to be like five pages. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. We, we, we write policy to augment common sense or to try and give somebody common sense a yes. lot of times, a lot yes. of times. Procedure, different story. You know, that's right. how I want you to do things. Right. Um, but pay attention to common sense. And if you're facing a situation, you're dealing with an inmate, you don't know what to do in the moment, but it requires action, but you don't know what policy says, I can give you the, I can give you the magic bullet. Make your decision based on safety and security. Yeah. As long as you decide something with safety and security foremost in your thought process, even if you were wrong, yeah, you'll be okay. Right. Because you can defend it. Because you can defend it and you can articulate why you made that decision. And for lack of a better term, why it was a, why there was a leg legitimate governmental interest yep. to, to, to make the decision you made. Safety and security. Yes. Yes. All right, guys, well, we have made it to the end of another episode. Hope again that got some good stuff out of this uh, surviving the mental chess game series. Uh, tickled to have uh, Sean on board with us uh, for these. Um, again, questions, comments, shoot me an email. Uh, got something you want to pass on to Sean, let me know and I will do it. That email address is the shakedown at jailtraining.org. Uh, as always, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this and stay safe, stay sharp, stay vigilant, and we'll see y'all next time. Godspeed.